I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Dallas, 22nd of November 1963. The world remembers where it was when JFK was shot. Similarly unforgettable will be today, the day that I found out that David Bates was leaving. Welcome to Heart and Hand. My name is David Edgar. There's no point really going on. This will be our last show. What's the fucking point? I've invited two guests here. Mr. Andy McGowan. How you doing, David? I've had better days, mate. Mr. James Forrest making his first team debut, and no, it isn't that one. <laughs> David, I'm sending, I'm sending you big hugs, mate. I know this isn't easy for you. Lads, I mean, we were supposed to come on here and talk for 40 minutes or so about football, but some things put this game of ours into perspective. And there's just no point. David Bates going to Hamburg. I'm gutted, Andy. I'm absolutely fucking heartbroken. As people will know, listeners will know, he's my son. And I knew those German lessons were a mistake. You know, when he asked, I thought it was to do better in his hires. Got the tutor in. It turns out it was to go to Hamburg. Gutted. Gutted, Andy. Well... I feel your pain because I, I was a wee bit surprised. But um, if you can visualise in your mind, Davy, a big billboard with dazzling light bulbs making a name, and that name is Russell Martin. <laughs> Does that take a wee bit of pain at all? <laughs> see, if, see if we have got rid of Bates and we keep Russell Martin, then I'll be knocked. Right, if if a naked man covered in baby oil runs onto the park to plant a flag with Davy Bates's face next season, could one of you arrange for a bail lawyer for me? Because uh, I'm going to need it. All joking aside, James, this 
I've been saying for a while that David Bates is a good player, and I suspect that given going to Germany, yes, Hamburg have been relegated, but he's going to go German football, German coaching, the discipline, the tactical knowledge he'll pick up. I strongly suspect that in two or three years he'll be playing in the EPL or, or somewhere similar. And while I maintain he's never going to be a world-class defender, I do think this is going to be one that we look back on with a bit of regret. Well, 100%. You look at, um, even if Hamburg are relegated, and that seems highly likely uh, um, this season, you know, the, the Bundesliga 2 is still a higher level than what he'd be playing at if he was still at Rangers next season. That's you know, fact, it's as yeah. was that. It is. Uh, some people say, though, it's the German Bundesliga 2, and I'm like, well, if he'd went to the Championship, you know, down south, which is a second-tier league, would you be saying anything? Let's not kid ourselves here about the standard of that league. Oh yeah, completely. Uh, it's um, you know I I keep my eye out for Hamburg a wee bit um, as one of the sort of many different countries that I, I follow in terms of football. I, I think if you're to look at it from his point of view, I think it's a smart move for him because he's learning he's learning a different footballing style. Uh, ultimately, I think it will make him a better player. And uh, I think you're right. I think in two or three years' time, we're going to look back on that and say, why did we let him go the way we did? Now, Andy, I think it's important to point out that we did let him go. This is not a case of someone who's deliberately ran down their contract and headed. Uh, although there are some you know, suggestions that his agent isn't uh, the most Rangers-friendly person in the world and he came onto the scene late. Rangers could have had David Bates tied up a while ago if they'd wanted to. I mean, this is a player almost going with the club's kind of best wishes. They offered him a contract... Uh, or they didn't offer him a contract, the, the latest rumour are, but they had talked to him and the figures were way apart. And uh, the fact that a club like Hamburg, OK, not at their strongest, but still a big club, uh, are interested in him, I think says a lot about his raw potential. I, was, um, I, I think this is a new reality we're in, and it might not be something that's actually... Uh, something that sits well with Rangers fans. This is, this is director of football territory. Because you're right me to say, if we wanted David Bates to stay, I think he would have stayed because we would have, uh, it's going to cost a lot more than what we offered him in wages, I would suspect, to replace him. So you've got to take it that this is where a decision has been made strategically, whereas in the past maybe it would be out of our hands where a player would move on because either he wants to move on or we can't afford to keep him. I think we could afford to, to have kept David Bates, no problem. If, it's, uh, if you look at the kind of wages we're paying out to other centre-halves, right? So, um, aye, it's, it's strange to the point of view that we've all seen something in him and he's, and he's shown it this year and he's basically shown this season that he's the best defender that we have. Um, so I, I do think it's... it's a, I'm a director of football uh, decision and I, I'm hoping that that's because... There's a plan in place, and there's other defenders either coming in, or uh, or it may be as simple as the the sea potential and the likes of Aidan Wilson and Ross McCrory, uh, and they already know that they've got the likes of Cardoso under contract. Maybe think they kind of shift him for for the money they want. That's a good point about Aidan Wilson, actually. And if that's the case, then I can totally understand it's going well. Okay, we'll let Bates go, but that just we push Wilson into that slot. 
and then we still need to make the transfers that we need to make. So I, I do get that. And I know that there's a lot of Rangers fans who disagree. will be saying, oh, to be honest, I'm quite happy either way. Um, yous are wrong, uh, as I've said before. Uh, but uh, I will expect that I have Bates-tinted sunglasses on when it comes to discussing my boy. But, uh, yeah, gutted, heartbroken, but... Uh, Life goes on, and of course we'll continue with the pod. Uh, What else would I do with my evenings if I didn't have you guys to talk to? So, there's quite a big game coming up this weekend, James. Um, And despite your horrible name, you you have uh, made a name for yourself on the the Heart and Hand Patreon site. Um, Going into this match, it's fair to say that we are not the favourites. But equally, I don't... as, As off colour as we've been the last few weeks I don't look at this and think we have no chance compared to maybe going into say the League Cup semi-final under Warburton where I felt for us to get through would require a miracle while I believe that Celtic were justifiably the favourites for this match in terms of performances and you know recent old fun matches I do think that there's a spark of hope if we get our game plan right and if we turn up the key word that you used there just toward the end was game plan. Now, if you if you were to just look at the two sets of players, um, you would you would look at Celtic squad and say that they have, you know, overall they have more sort of better players than what we maybe do going into this game. But if we can implement the right game plan, this team is gettable. This team is absolutely gettable. There's no reason to suggest we can't go into this game and with the right mindset. Uh, and with the right tactics, we can get a result. I am in absolutely no doubt about that. Andy, where, where are the key? Where will the game be won and lost on Sunday? Um, in their heads, because yeah. the mindset is, is a phrase you just used there. See, personnel-wise, football-wise, anything can happen in a, a one-off cup game, and we are more than capable of matching them on a one-off game. But this is going to take character, it's going to take desire, it's going to take very, very strong mental attitudes, which is what was missing in a large part of the league game, because yeah. we had them on the ropes, and to, to my mind, uh, it was not football that killed us, it was actually the mentality side of things where the pressure got to them. They realised they were, they were facing 10 men, and that to not win the game would be um, unacceptable. So they had to go out and win the game, and they couldn't do it. So... Um, in football terms, which is, I know what you meant, your question, it's a midfield. I don't think there's any question about it, particularly because of the way we've been setting up for most of this season under Murty. Um If we set up the way we normally set up with the 4 2 3 1, I can't see us getting a result. I honestly don't think that um, it will come through for us because what we're doing there basically is going toe to toe with them. They're basically saying our attack players are better than your attack players, and I'm not. To sure that's the case, to be honest, especially when you look at the benches, the respective benches. Yeah. So um, I think we've sobered up a wee bit for the kind of pre-league game, I wouldn't say euphoria, but there was definitely a bit of belief amongst the support and the team bill, except that we could get a result then. I think the the, the result then kind of deflated everybody, and I think it hit the team as well. I think uh, there was obviously a two-game hangover. So they need to find it from somewhere. They need, need to dig deep. And they need to prove to themselves first and foremost that they can they can beat their Celtic team. I think that's absolutely key. Is they need to get the first one in the back, but of of course, 
that's easier said than done and it becomes a bigger problem and compounds each time and James we did see that I think in the last half hour of the last league game that it almost panic set into our side uh, when it became clear when it was 11 against 11 they, they, they went toe to toe and they did match them and you know who knows what would have happened 11 against 11 but for some reason going down to 10 and then Celtic getting the goal and just sitting in and we found it impossible to, to break them down our players panicked a little bit and they stopped doing the things that they had been doing well in that run up to that game and even during that game. And I think Andy's point about mentality is absolutely key. Do our players believe? And we saw this so often under Warburton and Kashinia when we went into these matches, our players clearly didn't believe they were going to get a result. You could see it that as soon as something bad happened, they collectively went, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, what can change in terms of their mentality or what can be done to give them that, look, you you are capable of beating this side, you should have beat them the last time, the, the reason you lost that game was you um, but if you correct and you learn from it, you can knock them out You see, I think a lot of that is down to how you're coached and and who who is in the dugout, who's there to be your leader uh, in that in that circumstance, now you talk about having leaders on the park. You maybe look at that and say, do we have enough there at the moment? I don't I don't think so. But also off off the park in terms of from a manager point of view, a manager can make you have that confidence. A manager can put you in the right as the word that we used before mindset. Um, they can absolutely keep you on the right track. And I think um, when you're going back to the league game, yeah, up to the last half hour, we were we were going all guns blazing because that was the right attitude to go into that game with. But when the change happens and Celtic, who, in fact, pardon me, no, the other side of the old firm, as, as I should say, yeah. um, you know, they have a man, yeah, they have a manager who who can who can read a game better than what our manager probably can at the moment or as has been shown to be the case at the moment. Um, so I think it's down to the manager being able to say to the players that they can do it and they, they can get the belief, but also to implement the right the right strategy in order to achieve that. Andy, just, we'll come back to the game in a minute, but just to take on one of James's points there, earlier this week, the season ticket renewals went out and... Uh, Thanks to the modern phenomenon of auto-renewal, I don't need to do anything, so <laughs> I love that. Um, not like the old days, remember you sent your letter in and panicked up until you got the confirmation <laughs> that it got there. Um, but the, with the letter came the chairman's message, and most people, I'm sure you know, everyone can, can look at something and come up with a different, different opinion, but most people I've spoken to, certainly the press reaction, most Rangers fans that, that I know, took from his message that Graham Murty would not be the manager next season. And whether or not that's true, um, personally I suspect it is, but whether or not that's true, that's certainly the talk going into this game. I don't know about the timing of that. And again, with the Bates thing, then not great timing for news. I'm, I don't think we can control when, when uh, Hamburg make their announcement, but... Was it a bit of a tactical error in terms of Dave King to even open the door on that discussion this week? Uh, personally, no. I don't think it was a problem because, uh, first of all, Graham Murray's a big boy and he's, get, he's getting paid a lot of money and he's had, he's got a fantastic opportunity 
that he's been afforded. So I don't really subscribe to the school. I thought that Marty's been treated shabbily and he deserves sympathy and all this kind of stuff. I don't. I think uh, he's, he's landed lucky to, to get this gig for as long as he has and to get to sell in the shop window. And to be honest, today's reputation good. I think he'll come out the whole thing, uh, as we've spoken about before, with credit. So um, to, for King to come out with a statement and the, uh, to tie up with the renewals, I think was the right thing to do because, first of all, we're the fans and... Um, we want to hear for our chairman more often than not especially when it's about the, the direction of the club so he's done that to a degree there I think we're then diving into the semantics of what I actually said and dissecting every word and so on and so forth because um, in, the, in this statement he didn't actually say either way but what we are saying David and I took the same as you is that you're kind of getting the feeling from it that if it was Murray then you think they would probably have said Benu uh, and if it's no Murray then uh, that statement kind of alludes to the fact that it's the very best managerial they can get and I don't think you can say that and then turn and say, by the way, it's Graham Murty because mm. that doesn't affect the criteria he's just made for himself. No, um, I completely agree with that. Yeah. So I, I, I think overall it's not an issue. I think if the players are so fragile that uh, question marks who are their manager's position in this scenario when we know everything about what's happened at the club in terms of management and how fluid it is and what, what happened in October to now if they're as fragile as to let that affect them then really that says more about them as players and the problems we've got as a, as a squad than anything else so nah I don't, I don't think it should come into, them, into their, their mindset at all if any David it should mean that if there's a new manager coming in somewhere in the world he's going to be watching this game on Sunday and everyone, the players should be making the right impression on them. Very good point, James. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I fully concur with what Andy said. I, I was okay with it because, you know, I think, I think most, I think every Rangers fan in his dug probably knows that Graham Murray ain't getting this job. Um, even if, even if we can get a result. Uh, I, I firmly believe that that's that's still the case. I think I, I want to believe, uh, and that's a key phrase. I want to believe that the board have been actively searching for a new manager. Who that is, the debate and the the uh, rumours will continue on that. I'm sure until that's until that's resolved. But um, no, you know, it's at the end of the day, the club have got to try and find a way to convince people who maybe, and it's a minority of people who have season tickets who are maybe thinking they might not be renewing because of what's been going on. You know, he's got to put out a statement to say, you know, we are we are looking to the future. We, we need to find someone who's going to come in and make the difference. So, um, no, I didn't really have any issue with that. I think it was the right thing to do. No, I, I, I agree. I think that I could understand why some people felt that maybe the timing of it wasn't, Spectacular, but season ticket letters have to go out regardless of, of when you're playing. And uh, you're right, the, the chairman can hardly tell a fib in that one. He's, he's got to be upbeat, he's got to be positive, and he's got to, to try and sell their vision of the future to the fans, especially at this time. Now, coming into this match, Rangers don't, at this time, as we are as we're recording this, appear to have any fresh injury worries. Josh Windass is back in training, and he's tweeted pictures of himself and he looks as though he's going to be he's going to be ready to to feature at some point during the match. We've talked about it, you know, umpteen times on the show, and I'm not going to harp on about Josh Windass, the the player. I'm glad he's back because even if 
he doesn't start, I personally wouldn't start him. I'll just put that out just now. For me, I'd be going with the extra man in midfield, but I would still love the option of him, if need be, um, to, to come on if we were needing a goal or whatever. But, Andy, the, the midfield, we've spoken about this an awful lot about that extra man because it it has cost us against Celtic. It absolutely has in the past. And I would be... I think we're getting into the territory of if we don't do something a little bit different, it's the expecting, you know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. If we don't look to maybe put in a, a Goss or a Holt, allow Dorans to go a bit further forward and create a different sort of problem for Celtic. Yeah. I mean, you only need to look at Dundee last week and the problems they gave us early, early doors for the first 40, 50 minutes. They, they were getting beyond their midfielders, getting in between the defence and the midfield. It's a, it's a system that can cause us problems because we don't necessarily have the players to do it without Ryan Jack or Ross McCoy in midfield. Um, and the likes of Dorans, who I like, um, it appears to me to know the legs to be one of those two sitting in front of the, the defence. So I've been thinking about this game coming up and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, how are we going to set up? I expect I expect us to set up the same way as we always do, right? Because I think if things were going to change, I think there would have changed by now, to be honest. I think Martyr says, right, we need to kind of do something else, street the back or whatever. So I think they will set up the way we always set up this 4 2 3 1. And uh, I don't think it'll be dissimilar to what we started with against Dundee. I don't think Windass will start, but that will obviously depend on his fitness, which we don't know. Um, personally speaking, what my mind's been drifting back to is Marty's first uh, draw at, at, at Parkhead, the Clint Hill game. Yeah. Um, Friend of the show. Because we basically. Clint Hill. Sorry, on you go. Friend of the show, Clint Hill. Oh, aye, Clint Hill. So. Uh, we played two banks of four that day and we sat in and we kind of hit them on the break and it frustrated Celtic and it really worked. And then Cassini done the same last year in the semi-final. We kind of played a, a more reserved game than we normally do. Um, again, I, I, I visualise it. I might be wrong, but I visualise it as two banks of four. I think we had Hodgson at right back and the Tavernier moved up the park. And Although we didn't hurt Celtic much that day, we contained them because remember at that time, Celtic were absolutely flying. And now I happen to think that we've got the players that are absolutely ideal to playing teams on the break. Murphy, Candace, um Windass, right? So uh, if Windass starts, I would be starting him as a striker, striker, right? No one of these kind of, what is he, a striker, come midfielder. Get him right on the shoulder of their centre-halves uh, and, and kind of getting them the ball in front of him, if you like. And to do that, you have to play a wee bit deeper and play on the break. But that's my thoughts. I don't think Murtel do that because, as I say, I think we would have tried it before now, even partially, um, if we we're going to play in the, in the semi-final. But I, I honestly do not hold up much much hope if we go in with our normal formation because Celtic would have sussed. Most teams have got it sussed, to be honest. James, uh, any disagreement there or...? No, um, I, I wouldn't say so. I, I agree. I think we need that extra man in the midfield. Um, I think we need someone who can sit a bit deeper to allow 
Dorrance and Doherty to play, play a bit further forward. It's not their natural game uh, playing in the role that they have been playing, those sort of two defensive midfielders. That's not their game. Uh, they're better at being more box-to-box. They're both very similar players, I actually think. So, um, you know, that, that I think that's the reason why they've not been performing, especially in the Dundee game. They weren't performing to the level that we need them to um, on Sunday. Um, in terms of Windass, if he was if he was to start, uh, I would also say that he he should start as striker. I have a feeling that if we are going to play the one striker, I just have a feeling that Graham Murty is going to start Kenny Miller as the striker uh, over your Morelis's or your Cummings. I think because of him coming into the game uh, against Dundee, I think he's done that with a plan of playing Miller from the start. I don't know what you guys think about that. I can see him playing Miller, but not as a lone striker. Um, I don't think he's. Mo- I, I think he spends too much time out with the box, and it allows the opposition centre halves to get too comfortable. I kind of agree with Andy that if you were to, you know, tell me right, you know, make a decision right now on this, I would see it being the same setup, but with Windass on the bench and Miller in the number ten, for what of a better term, because he clearly isn't a number ten. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Kenny Miller, but I, I would be surprised, I admit, if he was the, the lone striker. Andy? No, I, I don't think we'll, see, we'll ever see Kenny Miller as a lone striker again. I don't think um, I don't think that's his game any longer. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you, David. I think Miller will be playing the same position as he played in, on uh, Saturday against Dundee. One thing I would maybe suggest, right, so I'm not a tactical genius, right, but if you're wanting an extra man in midfield, you have to forgo uh, either one of the strikers or a defender or, more likely, either Candace or Murphy. Um, and Candace was usually the one that dropped out when we were playing the, the, the diamond earlier in the season. That's an option. Don't play Candace. Put him on the bench. Gives you an option, a, a real option. Come off the bench if you're chasing the game later on or when the, when the legs get tired and it allows you to bring in another midfielder and you just play that wee bit narrower and you're basically playing with one winger and Murphy and then you've got Miller who obviously can, can go wide uh, just as he naturally does anyway and that may just solidify the midfielder a wee bit more by giving you one more natural central midfielder whether that's Halliday or Holt um, or even McCrory if he moves into, into the middle of the park if we play Alves and Martin so th- there are options there but I think the fact we're talking about Halliday Hall uh, brings home to where our squad is, and this is what I've always harped on and about. And it's not the shocker of a news, but the, the squad isn't deep enough uh, by comparison, unfortunately, to our nearest rivals. What I would say is that Andy, you're everybody's favourite podder, and you know you've, you've had a great debut season <laughs> in hand, but you have just advocated the dropping of Daniel Candace for Andy Halliday. And I want everyone to take a note of that. Um, that it was at, don't post up. Oh, I heard on heart and hand. Uh, say it was at Bob McPhail. It was Andy who did it. Uh, it wasn't me. But Candace has been, I think, probably one of our better players in the last few weeks. And I think he's one of the the ones that are in in form. Um, also, I think that if we're looking at reasons, because we could talk all day about reasons to lose a game, right? Let's talk about the way we can win it. I mean, for me, one of the key things would be the width and would be the fullbacks um, and the, the partnerships they have going forward with the with the two guys on, on the flanks. Um, for me, if you then put the three in, I think with Morelos, you've got a guy there who 
occupies centre backs. Um, it should be remembered that in the the last Old Firm match, that apart from obviously the chance, which unfortunately is is all that people will remember, that for at least seventy minutes he absolutely battered their two centre backs, and to the point that one of them elbowed him and got sent off. And I think you can do it with that. You can then give yourself the luxury of the extra midfielder. Dorans can play that little bit further forward, which I agree, incidentally, I think suits him best at this time of his career um, because it, it requires a bit less legs. In both matches recently where he's pushed up against Motherwell and against, uh, against Dundee, I think he's, he's impressed far more. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Andy, on that thought, Celtic on the flanks, I think, not their strongest areas um, compared to down the middle where they are far stronger and, and they showed that in the last match. Could that those two partnerships be the key to maybe unlocking that defence and being solid if we can this time plug up the centre? No, I think you're, you're exactly right. And that's the reason that uh, when I say drop candidates, I'm not saying drop candidates. I'm saying that that's an option if you wanted to bring in another midfielder. But the very fact that, as you've said, the, the kind of partnership that he's forged with Tavernier is so kind of impl- instrumental in the way we play now. I think that's the reason that, that would never happen. Um, Candace is a danger to any team that he plays against. His balls in the box, more often than not, are pretty good. What busts me <laughs> every week is that a lot of the balls are to the front post and they're usually swept away by a, a centre-half. We've seen it at Motherwell 19 times. We've seen it on Saturday to a degree. What we need to then see is midfielders busting a gut to get in at the front post because that's we think that's something that we Morelis isn't particularly hot, hot at is a five-yard burst across the front post. He usually sits in between the, the six-yard line. Um, so I, I think you're right. The, the width is something we've got in our favour. They're going to come at us with potentially Roberts and Sinclair or uh, Forest. So they, they do have uh, attacking threat and, and the to my mind, the best way to con- uh, combat that is to go at them with, it, with the same. And we've now got two good wingers that can do that. But it's all conundrum. It leaves you it leaves space in the middle of the park. And it's where do you where do you take a player to, to shore up that middle of defence? Um, sorry, middle of midfield. Um, I'm surprised that we've no at least tried three at the back at some point this season for that very reason. Because that's what Celtic do. They play through the back all the time mm. and it allows them to put an extra man in the middle of the park and keep their attacking uh, kind of uh, the three guys up top that they like to have and it, and it works for them quite often. So I'm surprised that we've not done that given that um, we've got, well, when they've all been fit, we had three, four decent centre-halves to choose from. James, uh, touching on that, the obvious change to shore up the midfield I think looking as laymen and looking just at it would be obviously McCrory but there is then the concerns about what that would leave us with at centre-back because you then have Alves and Martin both of whom are I think it's fair to say I haven't overly impressed this season, let's let's be honest and I think there are concerns about the lack of mobility that that centre-back pairing gets you and also the fact that Alves does have a tendency to because he knows he doesn't have a pace anymore to sit back a little bit, which is understandable, but it allows teams to push on us, and I think creates an extra problem for the midfield. 
I mean, who would have who would have thought at the start of the season that we'd be sitting here now saying, you know, we'd rather Ross McCrory as a centre back over Bruno Alves? I mean, jeez, yeah. <laughs> uh, just shows you, doesn't it? The yeah. wonder of football. Um, yeah, I think I think our issue is the central centre of defence because of the lack of pace, and I think that's one of the reasons why fans have been so impressed with McCrory is that he has that. He has that bit of extra speed um, over other central defenders, which has proved very useful on many occasions. Um, you know, going going to that point about you know trying the three at the back. Yes, that would help that situation because you can imagine Martin and Alves, you know, are, are a bit more, a bit more maybe a bit more solid as defenders, and then McCrory can maybe deal with the pace a bit more. But the issue I maybe have with that is you then take out what is. You know, for for me, the best part of how we've played this season is how we've done in, in the wide areas, particularly now when you've got the two partnerships. You have Tavernier and Candias on the right. You have John and Murphy on the left, and those two partnerships really complement each other really well. Um, so I don't. I, I think it would be. I think it would be a mistake for us to lose that. Um, lose that key aspect of the game. It's just we need to find a way. In which we can then compensate the middle of the park in order to still have that, and I think that McCrory is a McCrory is a holding midfielder. It does give you that bit of extra security um, because he can drift back into the centre of defence if need be. Mm. Uh, he can sort of drift in between the two positions quite easily. I can imagine. Um, but really, we're at a point with who's fit and who's available. It's you know if we're going to play McCrory further up, it's going to be Martin and Alves. So we need them to have stormers of games uh, on Sunday. I think it's fair to say. Mistakes cost us the last game. Let's you know let's not be coy about it because the goals we lost were awful, just really really bad goals, and. I know that, that Graham Murty in his interviews afterwards when asked about it said, you know, it wasn't the system, it's the fact if you look at the, the third goal in particular, it's criminal, you know, we've we six points of failure, we've so many opportunities to clear it. And uh, that has to be something that we need players to make the right decisions at crucial moments because, you know, we can't... Celtic, you know, for all that uh, they, they are the evil empire, they, they do have players who can hurt you in forward positions and the last thing you need to do is give them opportunities to do that and that's what we did in that last match and it cost us. Mm-hmm. Uh, individual errors um, unfortunately come down to quality because the better quality player you've got the less likely are to make mm. uh, those kind of errors, which, I mean, again... I'm on this podcast every week saying the blindingly obvious, but that's the obvious thing, isn't it? We, we, well, I certainly see parallels going back to our nine or oh years when Celtic had decent teams at points, and it was just that difference in quality that allowed us to keep them at arm's length. And this is the fear that grips me at times when we come into games like this, is that at the back of mind I'm always thinking, well, do you know, we've got a chance here if we turn up today or so on and so forth. But it then comes down to individual performances and, and individual discipline and making sure that you're not the one that's giving the, the wrong man the, the, the bit of space. And I've seen it too often in the old firm game since since we came back up. So um, we, we'll need to be our best all across the park. I don't accept Marty's kind of explanation that individual errors are not to do with formation because 
it doesn't wash for me because if you if you make an error at the plant, you've got more midfielders behind you than that's supposed to be part of the plan, isn't it? So, or if you've got defenders that have no get pace, but you've got somebody to tuck in at the back here, like a Tavernier or John, then it's all part and parcel with the formation. And I still think that teams walk through our midfield or, or from, from their defence to our kind of 18-yard box, teams get from there to there far, far too easily for me in terms of uh, tackles put in, blocks, or this kind of stuff. Um, so it comes back to formation, but I do think you're right. Individual errors have to be completely shown for our game on Sunday if we're to have a chance over the 90 minutes or 180. Yeah, absolutely. James, the the Ibrox uh, almost hoodoo this season in terms of home performances. Uh, is it actually to our benefit that this match is on neutral ground? It almost feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it almost feels like you know there are, there are quite a few players that actually uh, handle you know they aren't able to handle the pressure of Ibrox as much as what they do. Um, at away grounds or maybe even at neutral grounds as well. So, you know, I, I I don't know whether we can we can say too much about you know we we give ourselves a better chance. The fact that it's not at home that shouldn't be the case. We should we should be giving ourselves a better chance no matter where we play. But um, you know, I, I think we just put this season down to down to one of those ones where our home form is just practically shit. So yeah, you know, let's let's just see let's just see how it goes. Maybe, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we play uh Hamden uh compared to Ibrox, um, considering we played them not that long ago. So it'll be interesting to see the difference possibly. There might be something in that. Andy, this week uh there was an announcement from Rangers that Douglas Park, who now lives full time in Scotland again, and of course is you know a director and uh one of the three bears has uh, taken up the position of deputy chairman and uh, the, the the club statement actually said that he would be more involved in the day-to-day running of the club. Dave King had asked for this um, personally and that for a while now, we've spoken about it on here numerous times and I don't think it's any great secret that things don't move as quickly at Ibrox as they do at other clubs. I wouldn't even say as quickly as they should, but as quickly as they do at other clubs and that people within the club have found it a little bit frustrating that sometimes decisions take longer to uh, be, be green-lighted uh, than, than they should and that this decision is a way of bridging that gap. Now, I know you follow the, the kind of uh, off-field stuff quite closely. What, what's your take on this decision? Um, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I mean, what, what was your take when you heard it? Well, I think the key takes for that is it was the King's request, first of all. Um, I think Douglas Park is a big hitter in every sense of the word, right? So he's a big investor at Rangers and I think it's fair to say that his son has had more of a an influence in the past couple of years than, he, than his dad. So it's a kind of return to the foray for, for Douglas Park. Um, a very good thing for me is that it demonstrates the relationship between King and Park for a start. You've got to presume that if somebody's asking for Douglas Park to kind of come back into the position of vice chairman and, and be his man in the in Scotland while, while uh, King's abroad, there must be a strong relationship there, which is something for me that I think a lot of us kind of take for granted. What you've got at Ibrox just now is 
a, a plethora of investors. And when you get a plethora of investors, five, six, seven people that are putting money in to different degrees, you, you, you can get a wee bit paralysed by decision by committee because it's everybody's money, it's on the table. And it's very, very easy, easy in businesses, not just football businesses, but any business of that nature where you've got more than two or three people making decisions or having their money on the line for fractures to occur. And when you then put that in the pressure cooker of being a Rangers board, non-football board or football board, it's quite a uh, quite a thing that they've managed to get this far into the game without having any cracks appear. And to see Douglas Park get uh, the vice chairman position at King's Behest was something I took a great deal of heart from because it means that we're, we're, we've got passionate people at the top of Rangers and regardless of what you think right? so regardless of your opinion of King regardless of your opinion of Douglas Park, Graham Park any of them any football club in our position that needs to get back and go through such a, a period of change and resolve and everything else you need to have people with passion because it's a passion that will drive them through when things get tough whereas when you've just got job in chief execs or directors and so on and so forth that's not quite there so I, I think it's a good thing, David. That's my personal opinion to see Douglas Park. If it makes things happen quicker on the ground in terms of the football board, like Stuart Robertson uh, asking for things to happen and needing a decision from the actual people to write the checks, then that's obviously a good thing as well. It might mean Douglas is putting in more money. It might be more investment. Well, obviously, he's going to be the share issue. Um, but I, I think, uh, well, I've said my piece on the board a, a, long, a lot of times on the pod. I think we're going in the right direction off the park. On the park, it's debatable, but we're definitely getting going forward. But the on the park is the real, real hard part. You just look all over the UK, clubs that have come back from the depths and how hard it is to get it right. Uh, we'll get there eventually. We've just got to kind of persevere. James, on that, and I would agree actually with everything Andy said, so I just wanted to... to say that, there's no point in me giving my opinion because it's, it's pretty much uh, what Andy described, but I, I did think though that it was quite interesting that in most businesses you'll have the CEO who runs the business and a, a board and a chairman and the CEO does make the decisions and then will be reviewed by the board that's kind of how it works, whereas this to me indicates that Stuart Robertson still doesn't have that authority because again they're not saying Right, well, King is, you know, has other, you know, business interests. He's in South Africa, so they're not saying you, you know, Stuart, you run the club day to day and occasionally meet up with him and run the big decisions past them. They're putting in another decision maker. It 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 doesn't really speak a lot for Stuart Robertson's influence within the club. Well, I I know. Um, I mean. To be honest, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't consider myself someone who knows a great deal about uh, things like this uh, in the same way that someone like Andy does. But uh, you know, I I find that point on Robertson very interesting. It's not one that I would have thought of um, before. You know, whether whether you would look at what has gone on this season in regard to uh, attempted managerial appointments and whether you whether you place any blame on how that turned out on Robertson or not, whether that's got anything to do with it, I don't know. That's me just kind of shooting the breeze almost on that one. But, um, yeah, I I would be interested to see what, what happens when we've actually got someone who is 
who is at kind of Dave King's level in the same way that uh, Douglas Park is kind of on a more day-to-day basis and to see how to see what happens with that. See, just on that point, David, sorry about it. That's good, right? uh, Stuart Robertson gets a, a tough rap for me because he's the right man at the right time for us just now, but he's not what we want him, to, want him to be. What we are looking for as a support in general, I think, is an all-singer, all-dancing chief exec who runs a business, easy as it, it takes care of itself, and then you're looking for then the kind of the visionary stuff like um, the bigger picture. So Lowell is the person across the city that runs, it pulls the strings at Celtic because he's more or less got autonomy. Mm. Um, yeah, he does. And he's a, he, he's he's allowed then to look at the bigger t- picture long term, and that's why they're able to look at um, what they did with the Commonwealth Games. Right, that didn't happen a year before the Commonwealth Games. That was in place years and years and years ahead. Of so that kind of long term vision is something that's very uh, hard to do when you're still putting out fires, which is where Rangers are at. So the time that we'll see somebody other than Stuart Robertson take the CEO, put CEO position and make the decisions that you're kind of talking about there, David, is when it's no Dave King and Douglas Park and, and uh, George Latham and Taylor's money that they're spending. Yes. Right? I think once a club is absolutely self-sufficient or almost self-sufficient, that's when you'll see uh, the kind of... Uh, the, the, the first job is done, which was to stabilise and bring the club back up to where it was, and now it would then be a part of a CEO, a proper CEO, to then say, right, take us to the next level. Because that's what Celtic have done. They stabilised. If you look back to where they were, they stabilised over a period of time uh, and then were able to then take themselves on and, and further. That's a very good point. Yeah, I, I do understand that. And again, we've spoken about this with the team and even with the manager that it might be a case of incremental rather than you know going out and yeah. one swing and getting the guy who's gonna who's gonna deliver. And it might be the same off the field as well. So no, I, I, I would always defer to your knowledge and stuff like this, Andy. And I think uh, I think that's a very good point. So lads, just before we we wrap up today with our predictions, one thing I was thinking about earlier was unlikely old fun heroes, um, a la Bert Conterman back in the League Cup semi-final in 2002. And I was wondering, and we'll start with you, James, who could be the unlikely hero for us come this Sunday? Bruno Alves. Oh, a bold prediction there from young James. He's just going for his <laughs> debut. Andy? Dalcio. <laughs> <laughs> oh. no, seriously, I think... Um... A hero in that team. Alves <laughs> a good show. He's not scored for a corner for a long, long time. Maybe he'll power one into the roof in the 90th minute. I'm going to say Russell Martin. I think Russell is going to he's going to come through for me. He's going to head one in and he's going to make it up to me for forcing my boy to Germany. I think. Do you know what I was going to say? I I was going to say I think what's going to happen is going to be a there's going to be a shock uh, name on the bench. It's, going to be David Bates, he's going to come on for an injured uh, Bruno Alves in the 85th minute he's going to score from a corner and then he's going to celebrate by taking off his Rangers t-shirt and it's just going to be a t-shirt underneath with your face on it and underneath he's written I'm sorry I'm Dad sorry. <laughs> Oh that would David, be a bittersweet you, moment for me Are you like that guy out Alan Parsons if you go in your living room and saw a picture of David Bates and then you put David Bates mask on and strip uh, off you've got David Bates tattoo in your chest Andy, Andy Come on. <laughs> if there was a shrine in my house, who do you think it's to? A shrine in your house? Aye. Who would you think it the would dogs, be to? The dogs, probably. It would be to either the dogs or me. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. The only tattoo I'd be getting is one in my own face. So uh, (laughs) no, but uh, I will miss him. I'm not going to lie, and I hope that I'm told that Aiden Wilson is also ginger. So that that keeps it up. I still maintain Rangers. Like gingers, David. No, Rangers need gingers in the side, Andy. Rangers need gingers in the side. Uh, You just need to look back when we had Bomber and Goff. We were flying. Um, Stuart McCall. We, it's a lack of gingosity in the, the 2010s caused all of this to happen. I don't know, I'm sure it blown. I heard that. Uh, I would like to point out, folks, um, just before we, we get the predictions, that you know you all love Andy. Andy's your hero, and Andy's great, and Andy's brilliant, right? <laughs> and uh, we had our first Podders night out um, on Saturday evening, and it was great, and we went for a, a good manly steak. And uh, I am gutted and heartbroken to report that one person, one person took what my granny would call a Catholic steak um, and ordered it well done, and it was Mr Andy McGowan. Aye. So listen to us, listeners. (laughs) Uh, All all the wee uh, kind of acolytes were sitting on this table, blood dripping down their faces. Well, this is lovely, Uncle David. This is brilliant. I was the only man at the ball to stand up and say, no, I'll have it well done because I want it well done. <laughs> so I'm probably going to, probably that's my last pod, but there you go. The thing is, you haven't finished eating it yet. You know, you, you, you had to, you had to go. Finished digesting it. Yeah, you had to go and get an industrial, uh, industrial cutter to to try and get through it. But no, I mean, fair play, courage of his convictions. Uh, he did even try and argue at one point that sometimes you don't need a belt, but I think he realised quickly um, <laughs> that 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 way madness lay, and he, he just he, he retired back. But uh, a fun night was had, and if you want to hear more from all of us and uh, uh, panel included tonight, then you just need to go to the Heart and Hand Patreon page. It's one ninety nine per month. That works out at three pence per hour for the, the the content that we do. Tons and tons and tons of shows, including James's new one, Making Headlines. That's right. Yeah, I, I've got a book which has got loads and loads of different newspaper headlines going back to about a hundred years ago. So what I decided to do with that is to kind of look through it article by article, try a bit, do a bit of background research on what was going on with Rangers at the time, and then give people a bit of context as to what the game that was reported on means, uh, and also you know how the season turned out. I've also got um, a show which is based on European football called The European Hangover. I do that with uh, um, Mr David Kerr uh, and we look at all things European football but with a bit of a Rangers twist as well. So one ninety nine per month. Check it out. I think you'll like it. Um, if not, you know that we will be back on Monday with the free shows and uh, hopefully celebrating a Rangers win. Okie doke lads, prediction time. Um, we've gone nearly 50 minutes. Uh, it, it, it's not cutting time. Andy? 2-1 Rangers. James? 3-0 Rangers. He's going for it. I'm going to go Rangers 2-0. 1-0, they batter us and we score on the break. That's what I'm going for. And uh, fuck, I would love to be right. Okie doke, folks. We'll be back on Monday. Till then, I sincerely hope your team wins on Sunday. I will talk to you all again on Monday. Cheers. Bye.
Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.